Test, 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 one, two, three, making sure you're with me. And it's time for another stupendous episode of Velvet Al Watches Movies So You Don't Have To. The only podcast starring Velvet Al. Well, actually not the only podcast starring Velvet Al. But the only podcast where Velvet Al watches movies. So you don't have to. I believe in truth in advertising. So I deliver on what the title says. Now, granted, you can go and then watch the movie yourself. You know, I'm not saying don't ever watch these movies. I'm just saying that you won't have to. You know, you can make the decision yourself. But you can get the sense of what happened in the movie without having to actually watch it. At, you know, just a uh, three-quarters of the running time of the film. So, I'm saving you generally about half an hour. Of watching <laughs> and watching these movies, so you don't have to. You know you love me for it. So I haven't watched a movie that had nudity in a while. So I chose this week's movie purely on the fact that I am almost certain there has to be nudity in it because it's called Killer Rack, and I think it's about a pair of boobs that kill people or something. I don't know, but. This was filmed in Buffalo, my lovely city of Buffalo, and it's disheartening that someone filmed a movie about boobs in Buffalo and didn't think to ask me to be a part of it somehow, you know, to play a bit part or to write the theme song or something or, you know, just to get out there and promote the fuck out of this movie. Because you know that I would promote the fuck out of a movie about boobs. Nothing. I guess I'm just not as beloved in my hometown as I thought I was. But enough with the self-pity. On to the titties! I did not intend for that rhyme, but I like it. <laughs> that, that is my new motto in life. Enough with the self-pity. On to the titties. So it starts off in Buffalo. Letting you know, like, we got a shot of downtown with the Metro Rail passing by. Just so you get the sense that this really is filmed in Buffalo. It's, uh, kind of like how Buffalo 66 spent a lot of time making sure you knew that it was shot in Buffalo. And how, um, Bruce Almighty spent almost no time trying to convince you it was in Buffalo because it was so obviously like California or something. Like, oh, we only wish our city looked that good. I think, honestly, I never saw Bruce Almighty. That one takes place in Buffalo, right? Perhaps. I don't know. There's a number of films that take pl that supposedly take place in Buffalo, but were obviously shot in, like, California or Canada. Well, every film is filmed in, like, Canada most days, most times these days because it's cheaper but anyhow this at least the opening shot is definitely shot in buffalo because you get a clear shot of downtown and a metro rail so yeah it's 100 buffalo the opening shot i'm gonna assume the rest of the film is as well so we're at a the office of dr cthulhu cape Tulu, um played by debbie rashan uh, Scream Queen extraordinaire of B-films. You know who she is. Is it Rashan or Rakan? I'll say Rashan. And I'm just going to keep calling her that instead of Dr. Kate Kufulu. Kufulu uh, 
You know, because it's supposed to be like that guy from H.P. Lovecraft stories, which I can't really pronounce. Cthulhu? Dr. Kate Cthulhu. Uh, Debbie Rashan. Dr. Debbie Rashan is what we're going with because it's easier for me to pronounce, even though I might be mispronouncing her name. But anyhow, you know, she was in surgery, and, like, the door, you know, it just has, like, a paper sign on it that has written plastic surgeon so you know she's legit and whoever she was doing surgery on has died and she's in scrubs covered in blood because this person it didn't take they still haven't found the right vessel something mysterious and sinister is going on and then we get the theme song and i will say that you know okay maybe they were right to not get me to do the theme song because this is actually a pretty fucking catchy theme song. Folks going downtown. Cadillac Blackjack slapping in the breeze. You can hear me scream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cherry cannons baking in the sun. Rubber buggy bumpers So, yeah, that is a catchy song. That was better than any theme song I could have written. But still, they could have found something for me to do. I could have, I don't know, I could have written the theme song for the closing credits or something. I, Or just be on set, be the boob wrangler or something. They could have found something for me to do. Now I'm doubly upset going through the credits. Special effects were done by fucking Eric Szymanski. I know that guy. And yeah, I mean, we're not tight or anything, but, you know, we know each other. We're, we're Facebook friends. And he couldn't give me a heads up that this was being made and throw a word in to the director and say, like, hey, I know this guy, Velvet Al. He loves boobs. Let's find something for him to do in it. No. I see how it is, Eric. I see how it is. And I forgive you, but the next time you do special effects for a movie about killer titties, just, you know, pass my number along. So we've got Betty, who's flat-chested, working at a company called Double D Collections, which I'm not sure what it is. Is it a collection agency? Maybe. Maybe we'll find out later. She seems to work in the cubicle. And the motto of the company is, handling your assets. Get it? Get it? Double D assets? It's about boobs. And it seems like all the other women that work at this office have big boobs. And they make fun of Betty for having little itty bitty titty committees. Um, yeah. I I feel ashamed of myself for doing that one. But, yeah, they're making fun of her. Uh, they didn't do the itty bitty titty committee line. Um, they just had some other, like, bad, cheesy, like, lines about small boobs. And the boss is walking by, and, you know, Betty, she's working hard, but, you know, the boss doesn't really notice her. But the other girl, uh, I've already forgotten her name, who has big boobs, because I'm no better, apparently. Because I, Betty who has small boobs, I was able to remember her name. Girl with giant boobs? All I remember is that she had giant boobs. And 
the boss is just ready to promote her, even though she's not actually doing any work and forgot to do her job. But he's ready to promote her because she has big boobs. So, you know, Betty's just really dejected. And this other guy, who I'm not entirely sure if they're meant to try to make it be that he's gay, but he understands her pain of, you know, the boss is just all about the boob girl and not about Betty because Betty has no boobs. But she's he's treating her with respect. And normally I wouldn't say like, oh, well, that just obviously means he's gay and doesn't care about the boobs. But this isn't really like a subtle nuanced film, I feel. So, but I don't know. I, I can't judge. I can't judge yet. Maybe he just is really a nice guy and doesn't care that she doesn't have boobs. And she he invites her to go drinking afterwards with other co-workers. I'm guessing not the mean girls, but she can't because Jeff is coming over, and I'm guessing Jeff is her boyfriend, maybe husband, maybe cousin. I don't know. I don't know who Jeff is. All I know is that Jeff is coming over. Now, Jeff is late coming for coming to dinner, and Betty has fallen asleep, and she's startled awake when he comes in, and someone's written on the front door of her apartment, Flatty, which I think is just kind of mean, like... Okay, I, I get it. You don't like flat-chested girls. Which, first of all, like, you're an asshole. But just to, like, deface her property, and technically not even her property, because she's probably renting. So, that's just, like, mean and cruel. And her boyfriend, you know, he stopped after work to get some drinks, because, you know, fuck her. Basically, yeah, like... He doesn't give a fuck about her. And her trouble's like, oh no, just what about my days? Like, you're complaining that I'm late for dinner, but you don't even think about how it makes me feel that I had to go out drinking? And, of course, she's all like, oh, okay. So, she wraps up his dinner for him to take later. And they sit and watch TV, and there's a commercial for Dr. Cthulhu, Debbie Rashad. I, I'm still not sure which one I'm going to go with because I can't, I don't really know if I'm pronouncing either one right. But, you know, it's a commercial for plastic surgery. And it's actually kind of a funny commercial and I can't really, like, do it justice. So, I don't know. Maybe Google it. Maybe you can find it on Google somewhere. But it is actually a pretty funny commercial because it, it's, like, a pretty pitch-perfect, like, parody of, like, really low-budget green screen late night TV advertising commercials TV advertising commercials as opposed to you know the other kind of TV commercials where am I going with this yeah so you know they watch so now it's implanted in her head because she hasn't like gone like hey that's the answer but it's implanted in her head now it's the idea is implanted in her head I can tell and she's like well, you know what? Since you're here, let's fuck. And he's like, uh, well, sure, I'm drunk. But then his phone rings, and he's like, oh, it's my sick mom. I gotta go take care of this. Which, you know, anyone with half a brain knows it's not his sick mom. Unfortunately, he has left his doggy bag dinner, so she goes out to take it to him, where she sees... 
he's in the street talking to someone on the phone about how he can't really get it up for his girlfriend because she's flat-chested and he, when he tries to cop a feel it's like feeling up a 10-year-old boy and again just mean and cruel like okay so so she doesn't carry much in the titty department that's not really like a problem i don't think like you know there it's not a hurdle or obstacle like it is what it is and if you love each other and you go and fuck and you know whether it's a cup or d cup coming on those titties is the same sort of kind of i guess where am i going with this why am i rambling about this but she hears him like talking mean about her and how he's going to the strip club so she throws the dinner at him and she's mad and so i i think they're breaking up i don't know they didn't really like quantify one way or another if they're breaking up but i'm assuming they're breaking up and she goes back to the apartment and i don't know i'm i'm thinking the wheels are gonna start turning for her not the turning the right way and realizing she should dump his ass but it's probably going to turn into her thinking, I should get plastic surgery and get some boobs. Now Betty goes to see a therapist, played by Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, Lloyd. And... <sighs> Eric! You probably met Lloyd Kaufman during this, didn't you? And you hook me up next time. Actually, you know, I can't assume that Eric Szymanski got to meet Lloyd Kaufman. I don't know. Because... I mean, maybe his scene wasn't shot in Buffalo. I don't know if he came. But maybe, because there was Poultry Geist, and he made that film, and he filmed that in Buffalo. So, so possibly Lloyd Kaufman... <coughs> Lloyd Kaufman came down to Buffalo and met Eric Szymanski. It's possible. And that is an opportunity that maybe I could have had. So, seriously, guys. next Next time you make a movie about boobs in Buffalo that Lloyd Kaufman might be there. Hook a brother up. So, but Lloyd Kaufman is actually like a very good uh, therapist who tells her like, you know, don't obsess over like the boob part because, you know, there's so much more to you and, you know, isn't just boobs that make you beautiful. So just show the world how great of a person you are. And then as a punchline that didn't quite work and didn't quite land, we suddenly see, like, his secretary comes in, and she's got huge boobs. And all the paintings on the wall kind of look like boobs. And there's two giant globes on his desk that look like boobs. So the idea is like, oh, haha, he tells you, like, don't worry about boobs. But everything in his office is boob-centric. And it, it just didn't quite land. And unfortunately, we are at the 15-minute mark. Which means that Killer Rack has... Failed the Velvet Owl test. And if this is your first time listening and don't know what the Velvet Owl test is, Velvet Owl test is that a movie needs to have gratuitous nudity within the first 15 minutes. And granted, I've never actually like really like clarified if what if the nudity isn't gratuitous? What if it's central to the plot? It's never central to the plot. All nudity is gratuitous, and that's what makes it great. And, you know, I even say, like, you know, 
male down technically does make a movie past the Velvet Owl test. But this movie about tits failed the Velvet Owl test. How? How could you? This is why they should have let, let me, like, you know, give a run over on the script. And I could have said, like, hey, you know, in the first 15 pages, why are no tits shown? Or they could have screened, and I watched the dailies and go, hey, we've got 15 minutes and there's no tits. You know, the Velvet Owl test is a very important test, in my opinion. So she decides, you know, she's going to gussy it up. Her words, not mine. She decides to dress a little, like, more provocatively. Saying that that might get the boss to notice her. And notice her he does. Notice that she has a mole on the top of her head. And that she should get it taken care of. So, you swung for the fences there, Betty. You swung, and you struck out, and there is no shame in that. So Betty goes to see Dr. Cthulhu. Dula? Dula? We'll just go with the doctor. You'll know who I'm talking about, right? Debbie Rashan as Dr. Cthulhu. So, the doctor. She goes to see the doctor. Well, more surgeon. So she... You know, I, I'm just struggling on how I should, like, approach this and call her. So she goes to see the good Dr. Cthulhu, and, you know, she starts getting a little weirded out, you know, because there's no one there, and the doctor comes out, like, covered in blood, and like, oh, we lost another one! And the assistant there is, he's pretty creepy, but she decides, like, well, let me hear out and see what the doctor has to say. And the doctor asks her to strip, which, unfortunately, we don't see... They keep the camera head up, head and shoulders. Just, uh, this is a movie about killer boobs. Why aren't you giving me boobs? But, no, really, why, where are the boobs? Where are the boobs? But she starts to feel, like, weird, because, you know, the assistant, he's, like, taking pictures and uploading them to a website called flatties.com. Because, you know, there's people who have a fetish for tiny tits. It's a category on Pornhub. Small breasts. It's, well, I think the category is actually small tits. But, you know, people out there like small tits. So, lady, you find one of those people. Fuck this Jeff guy. Fuck your boss. You, you go become a model for flatties.com. But the doctor tells her, like, oh yes, we'll give you bigger boobs. But it's all too much, and Betty runs away from the office. But the doctor's like, she'll be back, because she's the one. And then ominous music, do do do. Something's gonna happen. She's probably gonna get the killer boobs, the killer rack of the title. Now Betty has the nightmare, where she's at the office, and... The boss is just giving out promotions to everyone except her. Because everyone else has big boobs. And then there's Tim. Who's apparently the only guy working at the office aside from the boss. And even he gets a promotion because... Oh no, now he has boobs too. Oh no, everyone but Betty. So she goes to see Lloyd Kaufman, her psychiatrist. And even he's like, you know what? I lied. 
you need boobs! And then we get this awesome uh, song number, which, again, I'm, I'm now seeing why I was not chosen to do the music for this film, because there's no way I could write something this catchy, but uh, here's a clip of it, because it is awesome. All you need's a pair of fun bags. Seriously, isn't that just awesome? I I did not expect that this film was gonna be like a musical. I guess it's not really a musical. Because we've only had two songs in one of them, the opening credits song. But we need, we need more musicals about boobs. And if need be, I will write it. Even though I'm sure there probably actually already exists somewhere out there a musical about boobs. So Betty wakes up for real this time. And she just realizes, you know, I can read what the universe is trying to tell me. So she decides, she goes to Dr. Cthulhu. I still hate trying to pronounce that. So she goes and she gets the breast implants done. And the assistant brings in some sort of animal or monster in a crate. Which is going to have somehow something to do with the surgery. And Dr. Cthulhu is all excited because it's been done. And then we get, you know, that parody of... Is it like from Batman because I know they do it in Batman but I never knew if the scene in Batman itself like the first Tim Burton Batman was a parody of something else where he asked to see like you know the results of the surgery and they give him a mirror and he starts laughing maniacally which I know that like Joker like when Joker becomes Joker that was the scene in the first Batman movie I don't know if that was actually like a parody of some other film but anyhow they do that here where she has to see a mirror and she sees her new wondrous glorious boobs she sees them we don't get to see them because i mean i could get it at this point because you know actually why not they're like prosthetics so why aren't we seeing them like why would she care that we see prosthetic breasts because i'm guessing they're prosthetic but she's all excited and laughing maniacally and does have me like wondering because one time I was watching an episode of um, I think it was was it Drag Race? I don't know if it was Drag Race or one of the like offshoots. RuPaul was hosting, and so they're dealing with like the prosthetic breasts, and it's so weird because like they're uncovered. So whenever like they're just kind of hanging there, they're uncensored. But the moment one of the contestants would put on the prosthetic breast they'd get blurred out. And that was, like, so fucking weird to me of, why are you... We know they're prosthetic press. They are not real. They are, like, completely fake. So why are you censoring them when they're on someone? Like, pick a lane here. Like, obviously, when they're just there, like, you're saying, like, they're not real breasts. Or is it that whole, like, heavy metal thing? Like, the cartoon heavy metal, where you could get away with showing more breasts if they're not attached to a person. Which is just really fucking bizarre. And kind of sick if you ask me. Like. 
Detached breasts? Ah, oh, they're fine. Breasts on a person? Oh, no, cover them up, even if they're prosthetic on a dude. Like, we can't have that. Won't someone think of the children? But she's happy with her boobs, even though she's having some trouble walking because she's got to get used to, like, the new balancing of having boobs. And so it's the next day at work over at DDC. What the? Double D construction? I've already... DD constructions? I've already forgotten what the name of the company was. I will remember at some point. I just know it was some sort of bad pun on double Ds. And so, you know, she hasn't arrived yet. And the boss notices, like, hey, wait, where's Betty? Why isn't she here yet? What the fuck? You know, she can go sleep on her own dime or something. And he tells Tim, like, when she gets here, tell her to go to my office because I want to see her. And that's when she walks in. And she's like, oh, you can see me now. With her new knockers and... The boss is like, whoa, whoa, awesome knockers, you've got the promotion, we're giving you a new office, right fucking now. Which, I guess it's a good thing that this uh, company doesn't have a HR department. Wow, like, so many fucking complaints can be done. Just, you're not supposed to promote based on boobs. I mean, you can if you want, but you don't say the quiet part out loud. Now, Tim talks to Betty and, you know, tries to tell her, like, you know, this is kind of a mistake. Like, you know, you don't need this. And she's like, but I do. Like, don't you see? Like, now everyone respects me and I get free stuff. When you have boobs, you get free stuff. Which I don't think quite is true. I don't know. Not having glorious, fantastic boobs... I don't know if it is possible to get free stuff. I guess I it's in the realm of theoretic, theoretical possibility, I guess. So, and then she goes over to the women that were making fun of her earlier, and she insults them very, very lamely, but because her boobs are much more fantastic, she has got the terrific tatas better than theirs. She wins this round. Now we're at the Whirly Family Diner, diner, restaurant, something. It's a diner or restaurant, which I should know better. Because um, I've been there, which is cool. I like when I'm watching like a movie or a show, and it's set like in Buffalo, and I'm like, hey, I've been there. It is cool. It, I haven't been this excited since that episode of Cops in Buffalo. And I'm like, hey, are you staying out on that corner? <laughs> yeah, of course shit's going down there. So... Then we got these two detectives, and one of them's going to become chief, and the other one has a young child at home. And I don't know what it's about, but even the detectives think, oh, this conversation's kind of weird. Sounds like a lot of exposition. So this is going to come up in the few, somewhere later in the film, like the fact that, you know, he has a daughter. So I'm guessing his daughter's going to be killed, or something. Something bad's going to happen, man. Something bad... And then we go to Betty's going over to her boyfriend's house. And he's like, whoa, you have tits now. She's like, yeah, let's fuck. But unfortunately, boyfriend didn't realize something. Today's their anniversary. Oh, 
You fucked up, dude. You fucked up. That means no pussy for you tonight. And so they're sitting on the couch, and he's thinking, like, well, maybe at least I could cop a feel, and his hand starts moving towards her boobs. But every time it does, there's a growling. And she's like, you know what? You can't even touch me tonight. She doesn't hear the growling. She thinks he's just going crazy. But she's mad, so he can't even touch her. And then she falls asleep, and he's like, because, you know, he's a creep. He's like, well, she's asleep. I'm going to go touch her boobies. And he tries, and he puts his hand down her dress to cup a feel, and he's like, hell yeah, titties, and then, ah, oh, my hand! His hand is gone. It's been eaten off, presumably by the titty. So the detectives from the restaurant arrive on the scene, and they're surveying the situation, and the police there are like, the police officers that were there first, we're like, yeah, it's a domestic dispute. And the boyfriend says his hand was bitten off. And we don't think it was the girlfriend because she doesn't really have blood on her and, you know, blood stains. And the detectives are like, that is true. Blood does stain. So if she did it, she probably would be very bloody. So we don't think it's her. So it must have been an animal that bit off the hand. And they searched all the apartment and there was only one animal there. A turtle. So they think, yeah, it must be a turtle. But the detectives are like, hmm, something about this doesn't add up. There's probably something more here. Maybe we should investigate further. Meanwhile, the girl, Betty, goes back home. And waiting there is a gypsy woman with huge boobs. It's very important, I guess. She's like a boob gypsy or something. So she should know about killer boobs because she's got giant boobs. And she tells Betty, your life's in danger. Here's my card. When you're ready, contact me and bring a dollar. It will. Ju it just might save all our lives. So Betty's asleep, but her body gets up and walks on her own. And I think it's control being controlled by her new boobs. And the body goes down to these two guys who've been catcalling everyone outside her apartment building. Who I hadn't mentioned before because I thought they weren't going to be very important. Or at least I didn't care enough about them. I should have known that they'd eventually show up. And they don't think it's weird that this woman is talking to them with her eyes closed and her mouth's not moving at all. Because she's got boobs. Which aren't even that visible because she's wearing like a trench coat. So it's not like you can even really see, like, her, the size of her boobs, so, like, but they're like, ah, boobs, and she says she wants to fuck them, which, okay, now that point I could see, like, okay, yeah, I'll set aside and suspend my disbelief that this woman is talking to us with her mouth closed and her eyes closed, because she's gonna fuck us, but little do they know, she doesn't fuck them. She kills them! The next day, Tim stops by with a coffee for Betty. Except, there's lots of coffees on her desk, because, you know, she's got boobs now, so everyone wants to give her coffee. And, you know, Tim's kind of getting a little concerned, because especially Betty tells him about how 
she broke up with her boyfriend, he dumped her because, you know, he lost his hand. Like, oh, like, that's such a good excuse to break up with someone. And, you know, Tim thinks, like, uh, you don't seem as disturbed by this as you probably should be. And she's like, nonsense. I'm single now, so I'm going out with some of the people from work after work. And, you know, she is ready to get down. She is DTF. Down to fuck. Do, do the kids still say that? Do they still say DTF? Whether or not they do, she is down to fuck. Meanwhile, over at the alleyway where the dirtbags got killed the night before, the detectives show up on the scene and... You know, the young detective, he's talking about, you know, he loves the job, but he can't wait to get back to his wife, and they're going to make a baby. And the older detective is like, well, I'm just a week away from retirement, and oh, I think I'm having a heart attack because, you know, my arm feels numb, but it's nothing. And the police officer that was on the scene tells them, like, yeah, there's a lot of human remains, but, you know, we think that just happened to be there, and we don't know where the scumbags went. But the detectives stare like, uh, this doesn't feel right. Gather up those human remains and run a test on them. Find out who they belong to. So we don't think it's just random human remains. And so she's out at the bar and Tim's there and he can't make a move because as he tells the bartender, who looks like he's like one of those old timey like barbershop quartet guys. He's bald but he's got like that cool little handlebar mustache. And I want him to just start singing, but, you know, it's just him. He needs three other guys before he can start singing his barbershop quartets. But, you know, Tim just feels like it's too soon. You know, he just, or she just broke up with her boyfriend the night before. Too soon, like, to go in for it. You know, try to be the rebound action. Yeah, I get it, I get it. You want to be the nice guy and give some space. Meanwhile, there's this, like, just complete jerk-off asshole guy who kind of looks like a mix between Matt Frewer and Trey Parker. Matt Frewer, Max Headroom, not... Try Oh, hey, my old university is calling. Which is appropriate, because this is uh, set in Buffalo. So University at Buffalo is calling me. And I guess I could answer, but I'm not going to. And I could have stopped recording and just, you know wait and cut that out but you know me this podcast is just true and raw and whatever happens happens and if that includes university of buffalo calling and me not answering because damn it i should have answered and that could have been part of but i don't want to answer because it's like they're gonna ask me for money like hey you're alumni so give us money and it's like how about I get a refund for my degree that just was worth jack shit? You know? So, um, what was happening? Yeah, so there's this, like, douchebag who just, he kind of looks like the guy who played Max Headroom. And he's just trying all his, like, worst moves, all his worst lines on the women in the bar. Like, did you fall from heaven? Because I want to fuck you. Which, actually, is kind of a good... That might be a good line. You should try that. If you're at a bar and you just kind of are just desperate, just try it as a, like, last gasp. Like, hey. 
Because it might at least start a conversation. If you do it on the right person, they'd be like, well, you know what, this is kind of interesting. Let me see where this is going. And so he tries to hook up with Betty by saying that he bets her vagina is ticklish. Which she gets mad and she storms off. But then later, the bar is closing up and he's still there and he still hasn't hooked up with anyone. And here comes Betty. But not just Betty. Sleepwalking Betty. And a nice little nod to the soda pop argument. Where he's like, do you want a soda? Or is it pop? I never got used to which way you're supposed to say it. So, he's not a native Buffalonian if he doesn't know that he's supposed to say pop. But, I'm glad uh, this makes it feel relatable. Um, Because, you know, so far I've seen the Metro Rail, I've seen the Whirly Restaurant, and someone said pop. So, this feels authentic. This is like realistic Buffalo right here. But sleepwalking Betty, you know, invites him to come over and fuck. And she takes off her trench coat. And we get to see the prosthetic boobs. And as far as prosthetic boobs go, they're nice. Um, part of me now was kind of hoping that we wouldn't see any boobs at all in this movie so that I could bitch about a movie about boobs not showing boobs. And I mean, I guess technically all we get are prosthetic boobs so far. So I can still bitch about it. And then she turns off the lights, and the screen's completely black, but we can hear the sounds that he's being eaten alive by the boobs, I'm assuming. The next morning, the police detectives visit Betty, because they want to find out, you know, well, A, did you see these uh, jerk-off scumbags that usually hang around the alley? They've disappeared. She's like, no, I haven't. And then, you know... Um, yeah. <laughs> God damn, my mind is just... M much like the people in this movie, my mind is distracted by boobs. Just not her boobs. Because <laughs> they're fake. They're fake boobs. And not fake in the way of, like, breast implant fakes. Which is A-OK. -okay. They're prosthetic boobs. And there's nothing wrong with prosthetic boobs. I am just rambling now, aren't I? Someone probably hates me now. Like, yeah, someone with prosthetic boobs out there is like, this guy is such an asshole. But anyhow, the detectives are asking, you know, about the scumbags that have disappeared, and also the scumbag from the bar who's also disappeared. And this is just all weird, and how is it that she knows all these people? How is she related? Because also there was her boyfriend getting his hand chomped off. And isn't it just weird think the detectives that a girl with big breasts is at the center of this all so they're gonna do a little more investigating but they didn't get very far in interviewing betty because they are horrible detectives and they're horrible for the sake of comedy for the sake of horrible comedy like these jokes are just awful 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 and the film can't bother to distract me with more boobs to distract me from the awful comedy. So Betty goes to see the big-tittied gypsy. Well, the big-breasted Romani. It's not nice to say gypsy, even though I just said it again. Man, this podcast is going to get me canceled! If cancel culture were a thing, and if anyone cared about me, 
but the Romanian, she's a fortune teller, and she's trying to read the fortune because she can sense that there's an evil inside of Betty, but she doesn't know what it is, so she pulls out the tarot cards, but they're all the number two. The two of moons, the two of cups, the two of melons, the two of owls, you know, like hooters, because get it, haha. And Fortune Teller just doesn't understand what's going on. That's just crazy. What could it be? But Betty kind of gets a sense of like, oh, yeah, all these cards represent boobs. But she's not letting uh, the Fortune Teller know that. So she go, Betty leaves and it's raining and the mean girl from work is there. The one that really hates her, but apparently she also kind of like just wants to fuck her and is trying to get her on, trying to get her home. Like, oh, just come over to my place. I've got a hot, hot tub. You know, we've got so much in common, like our big boobs. And then suddenly the killer rack takes over Betty and... Her eyes are open and her mouth's open. So, you know, it just kind of threw me out for a little bit because she's not sleepwalking again. So at least, you know, I can understand why Mean Girl fell for this and got trapped by the evil boob implants. So they go over because the uh, killer boob implants, they can sense like, oh, they're going to need someone to help. And this woman also has big boobs. She could be a minion. So they get in the hot tub. And the mean girl takes off her top. And we get titties! We get titties! Real titties! Yay! Only took like an hour to get to real titties. And... Then stuff happened in the film, right? So anyways, but... Here's the kicker. She has medium-sized titties. Because her falsies just flung out when she took her top off and the evil breast implants are like, what? You're a faker! And Betty puts her shirt over the head of the mean girl and munch, 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 munch. Kill titties. Eat the mean girl. Oh. So what you get, ladies, for wearing falsies, just, if you got the little itty-bitty titties, let them fly free. Because we don't care. At least I don't care. You know, I love boobs of all sizes. I am not superficial. And the next morning, Betty wakes up. And she's covered in blood. And she's like, oh shit, oh no. Something might have happened. I might have killed the mean girl. And then at work, it's like, oh no, she's not there. She's not in. But Tim tells her, oh no, it's okay. Nothing happened. She called in sick. And they listen to the message. And obviously... You know, she was sick, and it wasn't like an obviously faked voice. Like, that literally was like, I called you, I'm sick. It was just like a complete obvious, like, I'm sick, and I totally wasn't eaten by a demon. Which is good enough for even Betty isn't like, oh, well, yeah, that must have been her. So after work, Tim is walking Betty home, and Betty's like, you know, I know you want to fuck me, so, hey, let's go fuck. I mean, not quite in those crass words, but, that, yeah, that was the gist of it. So they go inside, and but Tim's really nervous, because he's a virgin. Which just excites Betty's 
boobs. They get, you can hear them get all excited, and they're ready to fuck, because he's probably gonna eat them afterwards. But then Tim says, I love you! And Betty comes back to her senses, like, oh no, you love me, I can't let you get eaten by my killer boobs. Even though she doesn't know yet that, you know, that's what happens. But she knows that something bad happens, so she doesn't want Tim to be killed. So she shoves him out the door. And Tim's just like, ah, what's going on? Poor Tim. He just doesn't understand. And, you know, I mean, he loves Betty before she got the breast implants. So, you know, it was real. He just was really attracted to her. And it isn't just about these fake killer tits. So Betty, realizing, you know, there's something wrong, and it's her boobs. Something's wrong with her boobs. She goes back to the plastic surgeon, Dr. Cthulhu, uh, Debbie Rashawn. I, in case you forgot that Debbie Rashawn was playing Dr. Cthulhu, which I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing it right or not, but so she goes, and the doctor's telling her, like, oh, yeah, I put some beasts into you. And not figuratively. No, they literally are beasts and they are feeding. And anytime there's a guy that's attracted to you, your boobs are going to take over and feed and eat the person. And it will continue until it feeds on a virgin. Oh no! Tim is a virgin! The boobs are going to try to eat Tim! Oh no! And then there will be no stopping! So what can Betty do? She's got to come up with a plan. Hello? Damn it. University of Buffalo just called me and I was trying to get them on to my podcast. Drats! Maybe next time. Betty goes over to work after hours to do some investigating online because I guess she doesn't have like computer or internet access at her home which I guess maybe possibly um, you know if you were living in a third world country or in you know the 1990s but uh, we'll go with it and you know apparently she has access well I mean she's now executive or something you know but the boss is there too and he asks her to you know come to his office and he tells her you know, it wasn't your looks that got you your promotion. It was your attitude, the change in attitude. You were more confident. And, you know, everyone just kind of projects an image. And, you know, I'm not a pervert that promotes people based on their looks. And Betty's like, oh, well, that's completely different from what I was. And then she falls asleep. And the boss says, I'm a pervert that roofies his employees. Oh, boy. And as you might guess, you know, he goes for it, and the boobs eat him. And I'm glad. He deserves to be eaten. Fucking roofie your employees. Like, seriously, why is there no HR at this company? Okay, that, you know, I've worked for companies with no HR, and I understand why, because... If there was an HR, their uh, managers would be in massive, massive amounts of trouble all the time. Now, there's a bunch of people just gathered in the street for some odd reason. Um, yeah, they didn't really explain why. 
And one of them kind of looks like Rob Van Dam. And I'm not sure if it is him, so I'm going to have to keep an eye during the credits to see if his name is there. Even if it's not, I'm just going to say it's Rob Van Dam. And they totally didn't use him at all. You fucking assholes! You had Rob Van Dam, possibly. And does that mean he was here filming in Buffalo? And again, no one told me! Movie about boobs and a guy who looks like Rob Van Dam. And, you know, I would have gotten like, hey, you look like Rob Van Dam. And you're like, uh, thank you. I don't know who that is. But, so Betty then comes down the street with her boobs all whipped out. But, they are just full-on demon boobs at this point. Like, instead of nipples, she's got mouths with crooked teeth uh, and very sharp fang teeth. They're complete demons. But, guys being guys... They just all stare like, boobs! Oh, boobs! And, to be fair, I don't know how I would react in the situation. Like, if I saw demon boobs with, like, mouths that are gonna, like, possibly kill me, I probably still would be like, boobs! Um, I'm not proud of myself. But since everyone's like just stare, or at least all the guys are just there gawking like boobs, her boobs just go to town and just eat all the guys that are around. And the detectives come and she kills the young detective, the rookie guy. Like, oh, you know, and you know he was had such a bright future, and he was gonna try to impregnate his wife as they like kept telling us over and over and over, and. The older detective, the one that's about to retire, he thinks he's safe because he's an ass man. But unfortunately, remember, he's got a bad heart. I don't know, did I bring that up earlier? Um, yeah, he's got a bad heart. And so he has a heart attack and he dies. And Lloyd Kaufman stops by and he says, Jumping Jesus on a pogo stick! And then, possibly my favorite joke in this film, and probably one of my favorite all-time jokes ever... Jesus then comes by on a pogo stick. I. It's not the most clever of jokes, but it made me laugh. That was, and luckily Lloyd Kaufman leaves before he gets eaten. And you know she's just going on a tear, like eating people and then killing women who are like calling her a slut for having her boobs out. And she's killing everyone, but then Tim shows up, and Tim is willing to sacrifice himself to just end it all and he's about to but Betty just comes to and realizes that she loves Tim so she rips out her boobs and dies I think looks like she's gonna die and the boobs run off oh no who's gonna stop the boobs oh hey Betty's not dead and Tim gives her the encouragement that only she can defeat the boobs so, after the pep talk, she's like, yes, it's up to me. So she takes a bra off one of the dead women. Well, she's actually not really dead, because she says something, but I couldn't understand. But she's, she's dead as far as I'm concerned. And so she grabs the bra and uses it to kill the boobs, because it's an underwire bra, and every woman knows that underwire bras will destroy your titties. Well, 
not necessarily destroyed them, but they are very uncomfortable from what I hear. And so, good has vanquished evil, and hey, the detectives are alive! I don't know how or why, but the older detective tells the younger detective, it was beauty that killed the bust. And I imagine the screenwriter, when he came up with that line, was like, fuck yeah, that's the fucking awesomest ever line. And then we get a couple like mid and post credit scenes. One is Betty's ex-boyfriend, remember, who's lost his hand, goes to see Dr. Cthulhu. And she suggests, instead of getting a new hand, how about we give you a giant penis? Which, hey, who's going to say no to that, right? You know, giant penile implant that's probably a killer demon. I smell a sequel. Hopefully not. And then there's another scene where the detectives find a dead body. And, holy shit, it's Armand John Petrie. Petrie. Another name that I'm not sure how to pronounce. But... I sort of kind of worked with him for a while when I worked at Record Theater. and But more than that, which is kind of strange that for a while he was kind of working at Record Theater. But he was at a much higher level. But why I say it's weird is because he's a record producer. And he produced what is probably the Goo Goo Dolls' best album, Hold Me Up. Um, really their only good album, in my opinion. Because that was their peak, let's rip off the replacements era and they that album is pretty catchy and fun to listen to and Armand John Petrie Petrie whichever he produced that album and when I worked with him oh and even more than that uh he produced MILF's Haha Bus which is a local band they never made it big kind of post hardcore but you know good fucking album deserved to be like much bigger and they used the name MILF before MILF became like a huge pop culture thing from American Pie so they were fucking like ahead of the curve there calling themselves MILF and Armand John Petrie or is it Petrie he produced that album as well so two fucking like good albums but when I was with him at record theater because um, apparently he also produced a Six Months None the Richer album. One of them, I don't know. I don't know so much. Could be a good album. I don't know. I don't like Six Months None the Richer. Fuck them. But he was telling us that he had the chance to record a Metallica album. Um, I think the first Metallica album. Which is very weird when you're considering like the bands he's produced. But he listened to their demo and was like, these guys fucking suck and passed on it which is a great story in my opinion that is just brilliant and beautiful I love it He and he still doesn't like Metallica as far as I know so good for him for sticking to his guns and being like yeah I'm not producing Metallica if we all had that sort of wisdom so but he's the dead body and the detectives are like this seems familiar and then we see the killer boobs again oh no they're out there 
And if there's a sequel, hopefully not. The killer boobs probably team up with the killer penis. No! And so, I watched the credits, and I did not see Rob Van Dam's name in it. So, that probably wasn't him. But I'm going to say, Rob Van Dam made an uncredited cameo. That's what I'm going with. I don't care. I am sticking to that story. Um, But I did... uh. Notice a couple of uh, names there in the credits that are familiar to me. Erica instead, uh, I can't pronounce Erica instead, who I believe is dating or at least some sort of relationship with Eric Szymanski. Um, I've never met her, but I've just seen her name on his Facebook wall. There's Erica Ladd was also in it as an extra, and she's a Facebook friend, I don't know if I've ever actually met her. Possibly. When I post this on my Facebook, this episode, maybe she will say, like, hey, that I was in that. But, I mean, I don't think I've met her. But she's a Facebook friend. So, and I'm guessing, you know, like I said, like this name, like Erica instead. Yeah, that's most likely her because I don't think that's a very common name of a last name of instead but Erica Ladd could possibly be someone else and then playing Niagara Falls chick number two was Leanne Downey and Leanne Downey has a bit of a history with one of my bands Carrie Joe's Nightmare not really a history but uh, because she performs with Terror Tech Technologies, and I don't know if she still does, but she did at the time. This would have been back like 2012, where they're a cool group. They dress up as zombies for charity and just kind of, you know, raise money for charity by playing zombies at different events. And so my band, Carrie Joe's Nightmare, was scheduled for a show that was, it was called the Zombie Social, and like it was a mix of bands and terror tech technologies doing their zombie thing and so we're playing and we cover paint it black and i call for the zombies to jump on stage and dance with us because it was a zombie social and it's actually pretty funny that it was paint it black that we did it that we called for the dancers because i didn't think about it beforehand but it worked out perfectly because there's that part where we're like you know the humming part but I did it in my in a very raspy voice so it was like so it kind of sounded like a zombie growling and it was awesome but Leanne Downey is one of the people who jumped on stage with us and she popped out her boobs not like completely she was wearing a bra but you know she whipped them out which was just spectacular and amazing and that clip is available on youtube so if for some reason you've listened this long to this episode search carrie joe's nightmare paint it black search it up on youtube um you know what while i ramble on i will actually search it up so i can get give you the exact title of it but yeah so we covered Paint It Black, and they the zombies jumped up, and Leanne Downey was one of the zombies. So, 
it, it, it's good to see some little um, people that I know. Or at least names that I recognize, because I don't remember seeing her in the film. Maybe I'll fast forward through it. No, I won't. Because Niagara Falls Chick number two, I I don't even know what scene that would have been in. So, I don't know. If someone can send me just the clip of Niagara Falls Chick one and two. Okay, so, yeah. YouTube, Carrie Jill's Nightmare, Paint It Black, Zombie Edition. And you will hear us do a very horrible cover of Paint It Black. And there will be some zombies. And the actress who played Niagara Falls Chick number 2, Leanne Downey, is one of the people jumping on stage. And so, yeah, I guess I'm out of things now to say about this movie. I gotta say, for a low-budget horror movie about killer tits, we were kind of lacking in actually seeing tits. Which kind of disappointed me, as I'm disappointed anytime there's a lack of boobs. I thought it, if any movie could pass the Velvet Owl test, a movie about killer tits would have. But it did not. It, it did not, and that saddens me. Um, We need more boobs in movies. So I'm going to just wrap things up here. And just as always, listen to further episodes if you want. Subscribe if you want. Leave comments if you want. VelvetOwl at Hotmail.com if you want. You know, tell me what you think. Tell me a movie you want me to do. Tell me that you saw the performance of Paint It Black. You know, if you don't leave a comment on this video, you can leave a comment on that one. I don't know. Like I... Whatever you want to do. I am not going to force you. And I'm not going to guilt you like other channels into liking and subscribing. You do what you want. I love you guys. Till next time.